Thank you for joining us today on our Eastside Church podcast. Today, Pastor Brock Nevitt will bring our message. Let's listen in. Good morning, church. Good morning, Brock. Happy spring. Yeah, we made it. It is officially spring from what I understand. Did you guys know um, that it was spring yesterday, but only halfway through the day? Did you know that? I'm not, I'm not joking. That's like for real. That's a for real fact. I know because my sis, today's my sister's birthday, and uh, she was born on like the first full day of spring. She makes that known. <laughs> Open your Bibles to Hebrews 11. If you don't know me, my name is Brock Nevitt. I know there's a lot of uh, faces that I don't recognize, or at least I can't put a name to, and I'd like to remedy that at some point. Oh, there's lights up here. Uh, I am the youth pastor here at Eastside. We have the youth uh, teenagers meet at our house every Wednesday, um, 6.30. Most of the time, they don't destroy the place. Sometimes they do, and we have to make some repairs, and there's a lot of cleaning up afterward. But we love having them at, at our house. Um, if you are a teenager or you know a teenager, we'd love to have you guys um, over at, on, on Wednesday nights. Um, 6.30, our place. Come talk to me afterward. We're going to be in Hebrews um, um, chapter 11, guess what we're talking about? We're talking about faith. We are. We're talking about faith. I want to welcome all the people online. There's people online watching us right now, and it's not just you guys. Did you know that? We got people watching us right now online. I just want to welcome you guys in, too. I'm glad you guys could join us um, wherever you're at. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about faith today, um, and it should be somewhat fun, somewhat challenging, and I hope that uh, you guys still love me afterward. Uh, we're going to look, we're going to be in Hebrews 11, starting in 1, and we're going to look at the ESV, and then we're going to look at the Amplified here in just a second. This is what it says in Hebrews 11.1. 1. If you want a good definition of faith, everybody's going to point you to this verse right here, Hebrews 11.1. 1. In the ESV, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That's something that growing up in the church, I could definitely mostly quote that. I would probably get those like assurance and, uh, and conviction um, mixed up, but I would quote it enough for you to believe that I had it memorized. Um, but, but even though, you know, growing up in the church, that's, I, 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 like to, I like to take these types of things, these simple uh, concepts, and really kind of dive a little bit deeper into them. I, I really believe in this. I don't, maybe, maybe that's just how I'm wired, but I, I really believe that, that there's a deep message in some simple things sometimes, and, and so that's, that's what I like to do. We're going to look at this in the Amplified Bible. If you don't know anything about the Amplified Bible, I recommend it because it's it. There's some really great things that come out of this translation, the Amplified. It's not uh, it's not one of these like smooth. If you're just going to like read, you know, read a chapter all the way through, the Amplified's probably not the one for you. But if you're looking to dive a little bit deeper and get some uh, some different um, connotation and and different outlook on things, the Amplified definitely um, definitely provides that. You're gonna see. 
um, you'll, you'll see some parentheses and brackets and, and just expounding on certain words and phrases uh, that just take things to a different, um, a different level. So let's, let's read this. You got this? All right. So now faith is the assurance, in parentheses, it's the confirmation, it's the title deed. This is what faith is. Faith is the, it's the confirmation or it is the title deed. That's what, when we're going back to uh, the Greek, y'all know the Bible wasn't written in English. This one was in, in, in Greek. We're going back to this different language. We can't fit all that, that the Greek language had into one word. So we're going to look at what, what they're looking, what, what, they, what they meant when they wrote it. The title deed. That means I can prove to you, I can prove to you that I own my car because I have a title. I, that, is, that is the proof that I own this thing. I paid for it. I didn't pay much for it, but I paid for it, <laughs> and I own it. It is mine. It is not anybody else's. It is mine, and I can prove it because I have a certificate that says I own it. It is my title. That's what faith is. I, can't, I, can't, I don't have a piece of paper, but I have faith. I don't have proof necessarily, but I have faith, and faith is my title deed. It's my confirmation. It says it's the title deed, confirmation of the things that we hope for, being the proof of things that we do not see. And faith is the conviction of their reality. Is there more? Faith is perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Faith is perceiving as real fact what is not perceived by the senses. What's that mean? That means that science can point to one thing, and I believe it. I believe that science is real. Okay, don't, don't hear me saying that science isn't real. Science is real. I took several years of science, of, of biology one, to prove that science was real. That went over some of y'all's heads. <laughs> To say that, hey, this is, this is how science is. I can tell you a few things about science. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. I don't know what that means, but I, I can tell you that that's it. But what science points at, God says, no, I don't, I don't operate in that in just, in just, I'm not confined to just this. I'm not confined to the laws of biology. I'm not confined to the laws of physics. We can study all of those things and we can learn a lot from it, but faith is perceiving as fact what I can't experience by the physical senses. It's pretty awesome. There's another word when I was when I was studying this and I'm reading it in the Amplified. It's it's not it's not in here, but it's it was really good. It said that that faith is is that title deed. It's 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 grabbing hold of and 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 taking it as yours of what is divinely guaranteed. That's what it said. That's really good. It's grabbing hold of what is divinely guaranteed. It's not just what's hoped for. It's what's hoped for that has been divinely guaranteed. That means if God said it, it's going to happen. That's what that means. If God said it, it's going to happen. That's what faith is. Listen, this is, a sim- this is one of those foundational things of our faith. If you know anything about our faith, it is, this is foundational right here. If God said it, it's going to happen. I believe it. It's mine. I have the title for it. That's mine. 
Faith says, I can't tell you how I know. I just know. I just know. I just know that because God said it, it's going to happen. I can't prove it to you. I can't prove it to you by science. I can't prove it to you by, by anything else. I can't draw out a map or a game plan. But I know. It's mine. It's my title deed. Let's talk about what faith isn't. Let's talk about maybe a misguided faith. Something that I see a lot in, in, in the church, unfortunately, is this, is this misguided faith. And I hope I don't step on too many toes, but I kind of do hope I step on a few toes. <laughs> can I be real? I hope, that, I hope that by this, like, we can maybe, maybe shift our thinking from, from maybe something that's been a little bit misguided to something that's truth. That's what we're here for, right? We want to shift from what's been misguided a little bit to this is actually truth and this is actually something that I can stand on here. This is solid ground right here. What I see as being misguided is faith is, is not just, it's not believing in, in a wish list for ourselves, yeah. Faith doesn't believe in in a wish list. Faith doesn't say I I want this thing to happen. I want this whatever it is. I want this thing to happen and so I am believing for it. That's that's a that's a misguided faith. That's a misguided faith. If faith is is believing when in what is divinely guaranteed, it's not believing in what you want to happen. That's that's a misguided faith. <laughs> Tired of that thing. <laughs> faith doesn't tell God what to do or how to do it. Faith doesn't tell God what to do. Or how to do it. So when things happen in my life, when I'm when I'm up against a situation, when when my family members are up against a, a tough circumstance, when when the people around me, when I'm praying, when when I'm going through something tough, we we've, we've talked about for the last few weeks, we've talked about suffering and how there's there's suffering that happens uh, in in our lives, that there's suffering that's promised in our life, and so when I'm going through something that's that's rough and I want something different to happen, I want want a different outcome faith I, I don't say I'm believing for this thing to happen over here instead I believe that God is good and I believe that I'm going even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death he's going to be with me I have faith in that right there but I don't have faith that says I'm believing that God is going to do this thing in this way for me in my life right now that's not how faith works is that okay Are you guys all right all right. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Faith doesn't tell God what to do or how to do it. Biblical faith, listen to this. Biblical faith doesn't claim what God hasn't promised. Y'all got that in the back? <laughs> Biblical faith doesn't claim what God hasn't promised. If God didn't say it, I'm not going to claim it. If God doesn't promise it, it's not mine. I'm simply believing what I want to believe, and that's dangerous. 
I'm only believing what I want to believe. And if I can take it a step farther, does it sound like we're just manipulating God into doing what we want? Absolutely. I don't want to manipulate God into doing what I want to do. I want to believe God for what he wants to accomplish in my life. Let's look at a story. 1 Samuel chapter 4. Turn with me. We're going to be there a while. It's a sword drill. I win. (laughs) 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm in the ESV. If you have something different, it might sound a little bit different. Um, But it's also going to be up on the screen if you want to read that. It says this, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, who was enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. As soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid. For they said, A God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled, every man to his home. And there was a very great slaughter, for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell, and the ark of God was captured, And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. So be honest with me. Who thought that Israel was going to win that second time when they brought the ark back in? Who thought they were going to win? Anybody? Man, all y'all's pants are on fire. (laughs) Uh, You know how I know? Because every time I read this, I think, oh, no, they're going to win this time. They got it this time. They just brought the ark in there, and they are hype, and they, they, they shouted so much that the earth resounded, and the Philistines are afraid, and they go out, and they fight, and they lose. And not only do they lose, it says that there was a very great slaughter. And not only was there a very great slaughter, but the ark 
of God. The, the, the whole reason, like that is, that is the, the cornerstone of their faith right there. The ark of God was captured by their enemies. Holy cow. So what happened? Did it seem like they did everything right? I mean, they kind of corrected it. They, it wasn't really right in the beginning, but it, does it seem like they corrected themselves afterward? They, they fought. They didn't have God. They lost. They said, why did we lose? Oh, yeah, let's get God. Let's invite the Lord into this situation. Let's invite the Lord into this battle, and then we're going to have victory. Does it seem like that's the right thing to do? It does. I mean, it, from, from the surface level, a bird's eye view, does that not seem like the right thing to do? It seems like the right thing to do to me. But instead, there was a very great slaughter. The two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died, and the ark of God was captured and taken back to the Philistines and put in the temple of their God. So what happened? Could it be that instead of doing what God had promised, they tried to do things on their own? Could it be that they invited God into their situation instead of partnering with God in his? Is that, am I I reading this right? Do you think that they had faith here? Do you think that when the ark of God entered the camp and they, and they shouted and the earth resounded, was their faith just, did they rise up in faith at that point? I think they did. I think there was a faith. I think there was a belief that they knew they were going to win that battle and they stomped on the ground and they said, we're going to do this thing and it's, going to, it's not even going to be close. And then they go out and they lose. Why? Because it was a misguided faith. It was a faith that believed what they wanted to happen instead of what God wanted to happen. Instead of, a, instead of God accomplishing something in their life, they, they chose to do something that they wanted in their own way. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith doesn't claim what God hasn't promised. But real faith, real faith that's actually, that's actually focused on, on what is divinely guaranteed, that, that real faith that says, God says it, I believe it. That real faith, that's what invites God into the circumstance. That's what invites the supernatural to happen in our lives. That's why, like, if, if the supernatural, if, if, if God working in our lives is the explosion, our real faith and what God has the ability to do is us lighting that fuse. That's what it is. Our faith in what God says is going to happen lights the fuse that ignites God to do what he's going to do in our life. There's also a partial faith. You know that? So there's like, there's, there's no faith that, that, you know, there's, there's no results with no faith. There's a misguided faith that really ends up in disappointment. But there's also a partial faith, and a partial faith yields partial results. You guys know that? So there's, there's a, couple, a couple examples that I, that I want to bring out. 
Um, in in Second Kings, there's a story about Elisha and uh, and Joash. I don't know if you guys know this story. It's not one that's that's told very often. Um, but Elisha and Joash. So Elisha is the prophet, incredible prophet, did incredible things. And Joash is the king of Israel. And one day, Joash goes to Elisha the prophet and says, "Hey, I am really freaking out about the Syrian army right now." Like, they're coming after us, and they're going to whip our tails. I'm just really afraid of it. What does the Lord have to say about this? That was a good move, Joash. Good move going to, going to the prophet and, and, and asking the Lord, what, what, is the Lord what, what, what does the Lord want to do here? That was a good move. So Elisha says, this is what the Lord says. Open up the window, take a bow, take an arrow, and shoot out the window. So he does. He shoots, shoots his bow out the window. And Elisha says, that bow, that arrow that you just shot, that represents the victory that you're going to have over the Syrian army. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Then he says, take some more arrows and beat on the ground with them. And so he takes the arrows and he just kind of like taps on the ground a couple times with the arrows. And Elisha's like, what did you do? Did I, did I tell you just to half-heartedly tap on the ground with these arrows? I said, beat the ground with the arrows, and you didn't do that. The Lord was prepared for this incredible, overwhelming victory that you were going to have, that you weren't going to have to worry about the Syrian army for years to come. But with that mess that I just saw, the Lord's not going to honor that. You're going to win, but it's not going to be like it could have been. That partial faith yields partial results. How about when, when Jesus goes into his hometown? You guys remember that story? Jesus goes into his hometown. He'd been, he'd been out. He'd been doing miracles. He'd been showing that, that he's the son of God. He's doing these great things. He comes back to his hometown, and they kind of reject him. He says a prophet's without honor in his hometown. And it even says in, in Mark, what is it, five or six, one of those two chapters, it says that he wants to do a mighty work. There's a mighty work that, that, that could be accomplished there, but he's only able to heal a few sick people, and he was amazed at what? Their lack of faith. Now, transparency here. I would call healing a few sick people a mighty work, but maybe that says something about my faith. <laughs> But it says that Jesus wants to do a big thing and he is confined to a small thing because there was lack of faith. Did he move? Did, did something happen? Was miracle, did the miracles take place? Miracles took place. But it wasn't what it could have been. Because there was a partial faith that yielded partial results. You know what we need in this church? We don't need partial faith. We don't need a smattering of faith here and there. We're going to get partial results. I don't want partial results. I want to see this church full of people who have faith. Not faith in what we want to see happen. Not faith in, in what, what, we, what we hope to accomplish. Not, not faith in, in something that, man, wouldn't that be cool? 
But faith in what God wants to accomplish, faith in what God wants to happen here in, in our lives, in this church, and the people that come from the community into this place, that we don't just sing songs and hear a word and leave unchanged, but we have faith that there's, there's a God who wants to change lives and wants to heal marriages, wants to heal bodies. To change lives, to be freed from addiction. So there's no faith, no results. There's a misguided faith that just yields disappointment. There's a partial faith that yields partial results. And then there's a full faith. There's a full faith. And that faith is incredible. That faith does some incredible things that I can't even comprehend. Talk about, let's talk about Jericho for a second. Isn't that, man, that's such a good one. Jericho's such a good one. Because Jericho, if you remember right, uh, Jericho's where, where the Lord goes to Joshua and says, hey, Joshua, I want you to go up against this city and you're going to defeat this city. Joshua's like, great, that sounds really good. How are we going to do that, Lord? Well, we're going to walk. We're going to walk around the city. Joshua's like, okay, cool. Yeah, we've been doing that for 40 years. We're good at that. Good at walking. So yeah, we can we can walk around the <laughs> we can walk around the around the walls. So, you know, okay. And then what's what's the next step, Lord? We're gonna walk around, and then and then what? No, that's that's the plan right there. You got it. I just gave you the whole thing. We're just gonna walk around the walls, and then you're gonna have victory. Joshua says, "Okay, Lord. All right, let, let's do that." And so you know what they did? They got up. And they chose faith, and they walked around the wall. Nothing happened. They went back to the camp. They went to bed. They got up the next day. They chose faith. They walked around the wall. Nothing happened. They went to bed. They got up the next day. They believed God. They believe that if he promised it, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter how silly it sounds. It doesn't matter if, if I, can't, I, can't, I, I can't just picture this, Lord. I can't experience this with my physical senses, but I'm going to believe it because it was divinely guaranteed, and I wake up in the morning, and I choose faith, and I walk around that city. For six days. On the seventh day, they walk, and they just keep walking. <laughs> and they keep walking, and they keep walking. All the while, those French peas are, like, giving them all kinds of grief. <laughs> and they don't pay it any attention. They don't, they don't get distracted by the naysayers. They keep walking. They choose faith. They stay quiet. They put their heads down and they say, no, this is what God said to do. I believe that this is what God said to do. I believe that he can do the impossible. I'm going to choose faith in this moment and I'm going to keep on doing what God said to do. And they shouted and they, they blew the horns and all of a sudden that wall fell down flat. 
Gosh, I wish I had that faith. I pray for that faith. That faith that says, I don't care if I can't, if I can't explain it. I don't care if it looks silly. I don't care if, it, if, if it's not something that I can, that I can explain or, or experience with my physical senses. I want, I want that kind of faith. I don't want a faith that says, well, I want this thing to happen, so I'm just going to keep walking around it when God didn't say walk around it. Do you think they went to the next city and just walked around that city? No. No, they didn't, they didn't do that. Why? Why didn't they do that? Did, did walking around Jericho do anything? Did walking around the walls like weaken the structure somehow? Did, did blowing the trumpet and shouting, did that, did that like, like crack some of the mortar and the brick? Like did, it didn't do anything. Like walking around the wall didn't do anything in the physical, but it did so much in the spiritual realm. It didn't do anything in the physical, but their faith and their obedience caused that wall to fall down. It didn't work in, at AI. It didn't work in the next city. They had to listen to what God had, had divinely guaranteed, and that's what they chose. So there's no faith that yields no results. There's a misguided faith that I hope we don't have. A misguided faith that only leads to disappointment and eventually just leads to a weakening of our, the little faith that we had. There's a partial faith. And we'll see partial results. And that'll be good. But there's a full faith. There's a full faith out there. That I'm just reading about in, in Hebrews. <laughs> that I'm reading about in, in Hebrews 11 that you see all this list of, of people that did incredible things. And Michael, Band, you can, you can come up. There's, there's this full faith that you read about all throughout this, this chapter in Hebrews 11. About Abraham and Moses even Moses' parents get a mention for, for putting Moses in a basket and believing that this child's going to save the world. Goes all throughout Genesis and Exodus, and then he's like, man, I'm only two books in. I gotta, I gotta end this sometime. I, I, I could go on and on and on, and I could tell you all about, all about Samson, and I can tell you all about Gideon, and I can tell you all about Barak. Not Barak, but Barak, although I am mentioned later. I'll point that out in a second. I can tell you all about David and all about the prophets and all, all about all of these people who did incredible things because they had faith. They had faith that believed what God said was going to happen. 
He goes all throughout all of those things. And then at the end, at the end of this, of this chapter, verse 39, it says, And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. I told you I was in here. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. He leaves this, this chapter open-ended. Do you guys know that? He says, like, it, the, the faith didn't, didn't end in the Old Testament. The incredible works of God and the incredible people of God, the, the people that we would say, those are the people who have faith. Those are the ones. It didn't end there. In fact, it says, they didn't receive what was, what was promised. God provided something better for us so that through us, what they accomplished in their life would actually be made perfect. They would be brought to completion through us. It's through you. It's through you and it's through me that the people of old, their work, their faith is actually going to be made perfect. It's actually going to be brought to completion pretty awesome that I get to be that I get get a mention in this therefore since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us let's wake up tomorrow and choose faith. Not a faith in what we want to happen. Remember, it's not a faith in what we want. It's a faith in what God wants. And when we have a faith in what God wants, the God that can do the impossible, when we have a faith in, in the God who can, who can make impossible things possible, when we have a faith in, in who God is and what he wants to accomplish, that faith can move mountains. That faith can cause walls to fall flat. That, that faith can invite the supernatural into what we're doing. It's that kind of faith that that's going to get us a mention in this book. That's going, to, that's going to cause all of these people to be proud of us. Let us run that race with endurance. What do you say? Let's stand together. Father, we pray for faith. We pray for faith. Can you just say this with me? God, I believe. I believe in you. I believe that you are a God of the impossible. And I want to see impossible things happen in my life. So I choose faith. I choose faith. I choose faith. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.